The schedule, the job, the kids. Take some time just for you. It's Sunday mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5, powered by Mary Washington Healthcare, one of DC's best hospitals that isn't in DC. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital. Here for you. And now, D. Daniels. Sunday morning and welcome to the show, the show that is all about you and your life and your world. Every single Sunday, fantastic guest here on the show. Hopefully guests that will inspire you and educate you and make you think about something maybe in just a little bit different of a way. And my great friend Allison Sullivan is back with me for a two-part episode on the Sunday show. Psychotherapist Allison Sullivan, so glad to have you back, Allison. I feel like it's been forever. It has been too long. I'm thrilled to be here and especially excited about the topic today. I am, I am too, Allison. And I'm telling you, I just, I loved the fact that you just got off of doing this food mood workshop and you did it for several weeks. 12 weeks. Several more weeks <laughs> than just several weeks you did. But this was so intense and, and in such a great way about our relationship with the food that we eat and our mood and how you incorporate this into your practice all the time. Yes, this is another way our model of integrative mental health, I think, is a little different. We really incorporate people's relationship with food and nutrition um, as a central aspect of, of their treatment when they come to see us. And one of the ways we support that is with the Food Mood 12-week group. We're getting ready to launch a Food Mood reboot in the fall Ooh. that's going to be um, a four-week version of our 12-week workshop. It really is amazing to, you know, learn about the relationship between food and mood and there's so many things to it and so I know we kind of want to do a little bit of basics here uh, in this two-part episode because somehow I'm going to get you to take your 12 weeks and mash it down <laughs> into <laughs> two shows um, you're welcome 12 hours into one hour I mean seriously I don't know how we're going to do that but give us a little bit of an introduction as to like your perspective on food and mood, because the relationship is so important. And sometimes it's, it's a relationship that we don't honor enough. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, I personally, I started really exploring this uh, over a decade ago in figuring out my own relationship with food more more deeply, more um, physically and mood related. And then uh, two years ago, I went to a training in Arizona, uh, a certification class as a, to become an integrative mental health medicine provider. And that's where this idea really expanded as a part, a regular part of integrative mental health all of the information that we learned there and that I continue to learn about how every single thing really that we eat, that we ingest, is going to have a positive or a negative impact on our mood. It's rare that we're eating anything that's a neutral. Yeah. And that, to a large degree, is because of the gut-brain axis, which is really our engine. And what that means is that our gut is our actual second brain. We know that now. And there's a bi-directional relationship between our brain and our gut. What that means is that it's not just one way. 
it works both ways. So right. if you were looking at a picture of this, in the picture you you would see the arrow going from the the gut to the brain and backwards from the brain to the gut. So they are in constant communication. And that's how literally everything we eat does have an impact on our mental wellness. I think it's so interesting over the last few years for me that I have really been able to like see this research kind of come to life in a more trendy type of a way where where we're getting more information now in more common places you know we're, we're seeing people doing studies on the inflammation in our body and how that can translate into diseases and even neurological things that are going on and it's so interesting to see all of this play out and I think it's raising awareness in such a way that people are starting to pay much more attention to what they're putting in their bodies. Absolutely. And this is a key piece of how we view mental health issues a little differently because we see, or and I see, the mind and body as one system. And so this inflammation that you're talking about, along with other aspects of our relationship with food, is a, is a component of mental health as well as physical health. It's all the same system. So it's a matter of where is the inf- what system is the inflammation affecting mm-hmm. or what systems is the inflammation affecting. And I have a prediction that nutrition is going to be the next wave in healthcare. It seems weird that I would even say that because <laughs> it seems intuitively obvious that nutrition needs to be a key component of health and wellness mentally and physically right however i'm starting to see some pretty clear markers that that that's getting ready to to really explode and before we get too far into this one thing i want to mention as a social worker because this is an important aspect of any topic we cover sometimes it's especially relevant with food sometimes there's an access issue Yes. Because if we're realistic, food is pricey. And sometimes healthy food is pricey. So sometimes people who may be listening to this might be thinking, well, why do I even need to listen? Because I'm going to be priced out of any information they're getting ready to share. Let me say, while I understand the barriers are real, there are some resources, and there's one key resource I want to share right from the get-go that is so amazing. This woman, Leanne Brown, you can find her at leannebrown.com, compiled several years ago, I think it was five years ago now, using the SNAP basic budget, the food assistant basic budget of $4 a day, Right. compiled a free... PDF that people can download called Good and Cheap. She also has created a a hard copy, hardback cookbook you can order, but the PDF is completely free. And what she did was she compiled an entire, I think it's 90 pages cookbook of how to eat healthy and how to have nutrient dense meals for $4 a day. 
So I wanted, yes, I wanted to share that resource from the beginning so people can understand there is whatever price point you're working with, there's a way to start to engage with this material. That's fantastic. LeanneBrown.com is the uh, website that she just mentioned. So yeah, that is a really good resource. So you mentioned at the beginning, uh, talking about our our gut health, how is some ways that we can start to improve that and start to look at, okay, I should be putting this in and I shouldn't be putting this in. Okay. So there's a couple of things I, I want to share about that. Uh, first is I found this fascinating. The majority of our serotonin, which is a major neurotransmitter is made in our gut, which means that good digestion is vital. If you have mood issues, chances are you have digestion issues. And if you have digestion issues, chances are you have mood issues. Makes sense. And there's not one right way to address this. It's a process. However, we can support our microbiome with things called prebiotics and probiotics. Yes. So prebiotics are basically food for the probiotic. I know that's kind of a gross way to say it. (laughs) I also think it's a really easy way for people to latch on to that. So it's, I think it's non-soluble fiber, basically is what prebiotics are, but it's food like onions, garlic, leeks, asparagus, and bananas. So the more you can cook with onions and garlic, the more you can think about adding that stuff into your meals, you're supporting your gut microbiome. Now, the other piece of that, the yin and yang, if you will, so the yang of that are the probiotics. Okay. And they're also called, I think this is fascinating, they're also called psychobiotics, meaning a living organism that when ingested in appropriate amounts produces a health benefit in people with a psychiatric illness. Wow. So that's really powerful. Yeah. Really, really powerful. Okay, so the bacteria, these probiotics produce GABA and serotonin, and you can find them in fermented foods like kombucha, sauerkraut, kimchi, yogurt, cheeses. I think more readily, though, people go to go to supplements to get their probiotics and so a daily probiotic and eating probiotic rich foods as well as prebiotics is a really accessible first step to supporting your gut health you know it's funny because i feel like a lot of people are starting to see the link between something that they've had going on you know for a little while you know whether it be anxiety or depression or any uh, other things they start to see okay maybe there's a link here. And when you see the link, then you realize, oh, there's something I could do about it. And I've heard things, and I'm sure you have too, about just maybe one big change, you know, maybe somebody took out gluten, or they took out sugar, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And they found, you know, I I visited with a doctor, I saw my my levels, and I know I can see I need this, or I need to stop having this. I think seeing that link sometimes is like the unlocking a door. Yes, unlocking a door that actually seems like it makes sense for people. And it actually um, allows people to have more control when they see, oh, I can adjust this and make a meaningful difference in my health and wellness. I mean, there's no denying it. We like to take pills in our culture that that just is. And so one of the first things I recommend when people come through the door 
if they're not already doing it, is to start taking a probiotic, a high-quality probiotic daily. Right. And to, to support that with prebiotics. And then I also recommend, I'll ask people if they've had recent blood work done. Yes, so important. And they'll say yes, and then I'll ask more about it, and they've had a very different kind of blood work than I'm talking about. So getting a really complete blood panel from an integrative primary care physician is going to help people start to then take those next steps that you were talking about of figuring out, you know, what foods actually do fuel my engine and what foods don't. Because we have, there's this cool aspect about our metabolism called oxid oxidation. And people tend to be in three camps, either fast oxidizers, slow oxidizers, or balanced oxidizers. Mm. And based on what you are, is the ratio of food that you need to eat, protein to carbs to fats. And so that's another important first step when people are working with their health care providers, mental health care providers, is to figure out what type of engine they have. Yeah, and what's lacking and what you need more of. Absolutely. Yes. It's fantastic. And one of the other things that I know that you've talked a lot about in the workshops that you did um, and that I think is so important is the digestion piece and the relaxation around that and some of the mindfulness uh, practices that you can do around that. That's so important. You know, I, I feel like we get so stinking busy and you know we eat on the run and we uh, you know do stuff like immediately after we're eating or it's just not really promoting good digestion I think to be more aware of that and mindful about that that could actually help us quite a bit yes and there's a cool reason that's not helpful I mean we all are busy and convenience stores convenience meals convenience food certainly sounds really great because it, it sounds like it's going to save us time, we're going to get what we need and have more time for other things. Unfortunately, it doesn't really, when we're running around and we're eating in a distracted, stressed way, it doesn't help our digestion, which is really one of the easiest things we can do to support our mental health through food is to protect our digestion and that's because there's this really cool aspect of our digestion called the cephalic stage of digestion and that happens actually before we ever take a bite of food oh wow which i think is wild and actually 30 to 40 percent of our digestion happens in this phase i really want to say that again because that's i mean that's a high number that's a big number yeah 30 to 40 percent of our digestion so this is a cool thing about that stage of digestion, it begins with the brain seeing, smelling, and anticipating the food that you're going to eat. It cues your digestive system to prep for breaking down foods and absorbing the nutrients by increasing salivation, and then the activation of pancreatic enzymes and stomach acid to actually break down the nutrients and help your body absorb them. And so what helps us do that? We've got to be present. Yeah. If we're watching TV, uh, if we're if we're reading something, if we're driving and just you know wolfing down a few bites, we are not connecting with our food. The other really key piece of this is that when we are stressed out, we go into a more of a survival mode. Right. Which is wonderful, except that. When we are chronically stressed and in that survival mode, what happens is that it actually 
takes a toll on our body and on our digestion because what our body does when it goes into survival mode is it kind of shuts down auxiliary functions. Right. And what it views as an auxiliary function is some of the stuff that's key to digestion. So if you're stressed out, even if you're watching like stressful news, Mm. if you're like on an angry phone call while you're eating some fries, if you're, you know, whatever it is you're doing that's keeping you stressed out, if you're like, you know, hurrying up and finishing a project for a deadline and just, you know, gulping something down. Right. You're going to be in that fight or flight stressed place and you're not going to be able to digest your food. And I think too, I mean, I I hear a lot of times because you're in that a lot, if you're in that chronic stress place, like you said, maybe you, your body is hanging on to weight. Maybe you're not, you know, it's, it's doing things that, you know, it's not working correctly, like you said. So if you've noticed, you know, I'm exercising or I'm doing this or I'm doing that and not nothing's happening but you're stressed all the time yes that yes the food isn't going to i'm guessing nourish your body and the body isn't going to do what it's normally supposed to do absolutely that's exactly what's going to happen and then so your body is just literally in its like armored Mm. mode and when i think of armor you know nothing's getting in armor right so when we can be relaxed and present then it actually helps our body receive the nutrients and release the waste. Right. Which allows our body to stay in a rest and digest phase. And it also allows our body to promote acute inflammation when there's a need for it, but not to develop the chronic inflammation that creates longer term problems. Allison Sullivan is my guest this week. We'll have more with her coming up after this break. Your bundle of joy needs lots of sleep. At Mary Washington Hospital, we want to make sure they're safe. Sleep-related death results in the loss of more than 3,500 infants each year. By focusing on better sleeping practices, like the Back is Best model, our goal is to bring that number down. Designated as a Safe Sleep Leader by the National Safe Sleep Hospital Certification Program, our team educates new parents on ways to ensure their little one is protected when getting the sleep they need to grow, so you can both rest easy. Along with Safe Sleep, we are dedicated to bringing the best care to the newest members of our community. The Level 3 Neonatal Intensive Care Unit at Mary Washington Hospital is proud to celebrate over 25 years of caring for the region's tiniest babies. Learn more at mybaby.mwhc.com. Mary Washington Healthcare, here for you. Now back to Sunday mornings with Dee Daniels on B101.5. Good Sunday morning. Welcome back to the show, the show that is all about you and your life and your world. My guest this week, psychotherapist Allison Sullivan, and we're talking about food and mood and how it all ties together. And of course, Allison, you know, a lot of people are not familiar with integrative medicine and would like to be. And this is one of the big elements of that uh, relating what goes into our bodies and how that affects our mood and what we're doing and our emotions and how we're handling situations even our thinking Mm -hmm. 
It's big. It's huge. And so in, in getting an introduction to an integrative uh, lifestyle, one of the things that you'll be looking at is this relationship. Yes, we we unpack. We probably have six pages of this in our intake forms because we really want to get all aspects of a person's relationship with food. I think historically in mental health, this was addressed in the realm of eating disorders. Yes, true. However, we look at it from that lens and more. We look at it and how are you supporting your mental health with food and what's standing in the way and what's maybe contributing to some of the mental health issues that you have. And some of the specific things I learned about in my certification uh, program were about how depression can actually be an end stage symptom of chronic stress. Mm. And it can also arise from systemic inflammation which is a really different way to conceptualize depression. Now, of course, there's not a one-size-fits-all answer for depression. Right. Depression is a very complicated illness. However, when, you know, everyone can look at their relationship with food and their relationship with stress, and from that perspective, they can put some protective things in place to inoculate themselves from developing depression and even if they're already experiencing depression, perhaps lessen and decrease the symptoms that they're experiencing. So from that perspective, I think I think of uh, why not? Why mm-hmm. not look at this as a really important piece of mental health and wellness? Well, and honestly, it, it feels like um, it feels it feels hopeful, you know, when when you're looking at the why behind depression and when you're looking at how long, you know, this has been going on and how long will this be going on in my life kind of thing. It really does feel like it's a it's a hopeful piece that that says there's more to it likely than maybe what you've looked at before. Yes. And one of the really key components of mental health issues is people start to feel really out of control. Yeah. And so when people can really start to improve their their health and wellness through nutrition, not only is there a self-care element, but it also diminishes that out of control. I have no idea, you know, how to start getting back in the driver's seat kind of construct that often goes along with that. I'm not saying that eating an apple a day is going to fix everything. Right. That That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying really clearly and emphatically is that the way that we habitually eat does impact our mental health. That's not um, new age. That's just emerging and existing science. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people do feel a little like, oh, well, they can't prove this and this and this. Actually, there has been a lot of proof. And and so there has been a lot of new research. And it would be very beneficial for all of us to sort of open our eyes to that, re-educate ourselves on maybe some of the old ways that we grew up with. I'm so glad you must have just read my mind. I did. I saw it flash across the front of your. (laughs) Because I was getting ready. I was just thinking I need to share that you and I are probably the last generation that this is completely true for the next generation. We might have to go great grandparent. If we think about how our grandparents ate. Yeah. That's a really good starting place for how to reshape our relationship with food because they actually ate real food, whole food, nutrient dense food. And that's 
That's the whole thing. Yes. We can't expect to have energy, clear thinking, and stable moods when we eat uh, ultra-processed, food-like products. It just doesn't work. And so one of the other ways that this shows up with people is something called reactive hypoglycemia. And that's something that people under chronic stress are specifically susceptible to. And it creates this blood sugar instability that can mimic mood disorders, which I'm sure you can, you can, you know, when we think about this, that becomes apparent because if your blood sugar is spiking and crashing, spiking and crashing, then that's going to have an impact on your thinking. That's going to have an impact on your energy. That's going to have an impact on your mood. And it's going to look like maybe explosive behavior. It's going to look like maybe some cognitive impairment. It can look like some mood cycling. And really, it's a blood sugar issue. Right. That's so interesting. Because you're right. It's like, and maybe we've taken that that and started treating it in one way. And maybe we're not treating it the correct way because we haven't looked at all of the elements around, you know, what we're eating. Absolutely. And so I recommend that people, whatever kind of primary care physician you have, of course, my preference is integrative. Of course. What If you have a more conventional primary care physician, though, this information can help you advocate for more extensive testing and other alternatives when you go to see your primary care physician. You can say, could this mood stuff that I'm experiencing be a blood sugar issue? How can we test for that? You know, could this... this um, depression that I'm having or this constant lethargy, this just low energy, could this be about inflammation? Can we test for that? So the more you can learn, the more you can bring to your doctor and help advocate for increased health. You know, one of the things that I recommend when people come to me is to, of course, check with their doctor first, but to consider taking a vitamin D supplement, a B complex, magnesium, and high quality omega-3s in addition to a probiotic. That's kind of the, the integrative basics for mental health with regard to, to supplements. Really great conversation. We're going to have more with Allison next week about food and mood. We're going to talk about some basic guidelines and some mindfulness tools and some really good stuff. Allison, I know you have a ton of fantastic things going on over at your practice. I mean, a really gorgeous new website. Your podcast is fantastic. I mean, workshops all the time. You are a busy girl. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. <laughs> yes, people can find us at allisonsintegrativehealth.org, our website, Thanks to our great marketer is so easy to navigate. There's all kinds of buttons on the top right hand side that can connect you to the podcast and can connect you to our social media. On the top left hand side, you'll see three little bars that can connect you to our blog, our workshops, our products, the podcast and the podcast now has show notes, which I think is super cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. Allison Sullivan, thank you so much. This is always a fantastic time with you and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for having me. 
Your emails are always welcome. If you have questions or comments about today's show or an idea for a future program, email D, that's D-E-E, at B1015.com. Sunday Mornings with D is powered by Mary Washington Healthcare, one of D.C.'s best hospitals that isn't in D.C. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital, here for you. The thoughts, comments, statements, and opinions of the host and guest are their own, and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting, B101.5, or Station Management. Thanks for listening to Sunday Mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5.